Okay, so um, as you know, in three weeks' time, we've got the, the Good Life Beatitudes teaching day, which is Matthew 5, verses 1 to 12. And so I thought it would be good over the next three Sundays this week, the next two Sundays, to build up to that by looking at what happens just before. So we can see the context of the Beatitudes. They don't just come out of thin air. There's, there's a lead up. And so today we'll look at the first part of Matthew chapter 4, and then the next two weeks, another chunk and a final chunk. And then we'll be ready, I think, for the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. And so that's what we're going to do. And we're looking at the theme of testing, 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 one, two, three. Uh, we all get tested, right? Now, there are certain kinds of tests that we're glad about and some tests we're not so glad about. So tell me, which tests do we not like? What kind of tests do we not like? Exams. Exams? <laughs> Blood tests. <laughs> Someone's sticking a needle in, yeah. Anything else? Driving test, oh my goodness, the stress of a driving test is intense, isn't it? So certain tests we don't like, but there's other kinds of testing that we do appreciate. Bleep test. Bleep test we don't That's like. Challenge. Very painful. <laughs> Very painful, a bleep test. Uh, what kind of testing, though, are we glad for? Glad about? Happy about? Just think for a moment. Maybe harder to, to just... Uh, our faith. Our faith, testing our faith. We're going to come to that, yep. The taste test, because mm, mm, yeah, it, 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 it's anticipating something quite glorious. Yes. Any other kinds of testing? I'd say safety testing. Safety testing. Okay. You see. Reassuring to know your fire alarm works. It is, isn't it? So we don't we don't tend to like the exams, but we are appreciative of the that's the safety symbol right there that certain things have been tested. We appreciate the fact that every time a plane lands, someone has a look at it before it takes off again. <laughs> yes. Right. We're rather glad about that, and we're not happy when testing doesn't happen. Uh, was it the whirlpool washing machines? Yeah that you know, it looks like they hadn't been properly tested, or we don't like the wool being pu pulled over our eyes regarding testing, like the VW emissions scandal, right? We, don't, we really don't like that misapplication of, of testing. And on a very basic level, uh, we're very wise if we're cooking a curry to test it before we offer it to anybody else, just to see how hot it is and whether people can handle it, right? So we, we're used to being tested, and we're used to testing and being grateful for testing. There's two sides uh, to this testing thing. And this is what we're seeing in this passage. We're looking at Jesus being tested. Now, many Bibles and many commentaries, you'll see it as him being tempted. And the word temptation is used. And I think it is accurate. But I think in the context of Matthew's gospel and the life of Jesus, it's actually better to think of him being tested. Because it's much more about him being tested in preparation for something, that it is about him having victory over temptation. Now, he does have victory over temptation. We'll look at that, but it's more about the preparation. So I'd like to have that in the back of our minds as we read this and as we discuss things together today. So let's have a look at the passage. Let's read through it together, which I will need my reading glasses. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Greatest understatement yeah, yeah. in the Bible. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. They will lift up you up in their hands. You will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. What an extraordinary sequence of events, right? So what's gone on before this? We've had John the Baptist come and say the Messiah is coming and oh, it's him over here, Jesus. And then we have the John the Baptist baptizing Jesus in the Jordan River. And then we have the voice of God coming from heaven as he's baptized to say, this is my son whom I love with him, I am well pleased. So that's the run up to this. And then all of a sudden, that, this is all good stuff. Here's the Messiah, the promised one. He's come and, and we have him baptized and we have the voice of God and it's all going well. And then the Holy Spirit sends him to spiritual boot camp out in the wilderness. Sometimes the highs are followed by, I don't know if it's a low, but a, a challenge. Let's put it that way, right? And so here he is, and where are we? Let me just show you. We are in this area. Um, there's Jerusalem. Uh, the Jordan River is here. And put that down. Jordan River here, so the Dead Sea. So we're talking about sort of somewhere in this area. There's a wilderness area there on the west side of the Jordan and the Dead Sea. So he would have been baptized probably somewhere around here. And then uh, he's in this area in an area called Jeshimon, I think is what I'm right in saying. Yeah, Jeshimon, which is translated as the devastation. So I don't know about where you live, but uh, I live 114 links away. I, if I lived at 114, the devastation, I, I don't want to be too happy about it. So that's the devastation is where he is. It's an area of 35 by 15 miles uh, long and wide. The hills are like dust heaps. There's, the limestone is blistering and peeling. The rocks are jagged and bare. It glows with the heat like a, like a vast furnace. There are hyenas in that area, jackals, panthers, and lions in the days of Jesus. So let's just say it's a tough spot. He's in a tough spot, and he's hungry and thirsty. And the reason we're being told that is he's telling us that he's weak. He's weak. He's weakened uh, in that situation right there. And so what we're going to be doing today for the majority of our lesson today is we're going to be breaking into three groups and looking at the three different testings and discovering something from the walls. I've got three questions for you which are on the sheet. And we're going to be asking ourselves, what is the real test here? Yes, it's about bread, or yes, it's about the temple, or yes, it's about the mountain and the, and the splendor of the world. But what's the real heart test for Jesus? What is the perhaps the sin that Satan wants him to commit? Or what is it he wants Jesus to compromise on? What is it he wants him to choose instead of what God is offering? So that's the first question. What's the real test? The second is, how will passing this test prepare Jesus for his calling? He's got a calling. So how will this test prepare him? And then thirdly, what might the application be for our own lives? So we'll do this in three sections. So what I'd like to do is have three groups. So we could have, this could be one group over here. Can you look only at the bread temptation? Just the one temp testing, right? You, you lot are the bread. And then I suppose perhaps the back half on this side, could you do the temple testing? 
All right, so that's your focus. Just look at that one, not all three, just that one, and then this group, front couple of rows here. If you could do the, the mountain and the splendor of the world. Yes? So we'll do them question by question. So I'm gonna give you a couple of minutes to think about question one, then we'll have a bit of sharing. A couple of minutes about question two, then some more sharing, and then a couple of minutes in question three, and then some more sharing. Does that make sense? Yeah. So don't try and answer all three questions at once. Just focus on the first question of the bread, first questions of the temple, first question of the mountain, the splendor of the world to start with, and to help you with experiencing and understanding what it means to be tested. Some of you may remember, Bill may remember, Barry's been around long enough. So when I was a kid, one of the big adverts on TV was, yeah, suck them and don't chew them, right? Brown trees, fruit pastels, and they said, bet you can't, bet you can't just suck them. You end up chewing them. And so, so I'm setting you a, a challenge, a test. So can you, in your group discussions, can you just suck these and not chew them? That will keep you focused on being tested. So I'm gonna hand these out. So first of all, what was the real test here for Jesus? What was, what was really going on here? So the bread group, Anetta. So your group, so Anetta and everybody in your group, what's the real test here with Jesus, with the, with the bread, would you say? What's going on here? What's the real test? I mean, it could be more than one, but what, do you, what, do you, what did you discover in your group? <laughs> Made it harder for you, sorry. Is he going to find, he's got a property need. Yes. Um, so is he going to then use his power to fulfill that property need and just get into it? Right. Yes. Also, because um, searching out any private him because he can, he could just turn around and go get your bank done. Right. Um, so is he, he's holding back on the power that he's got to do things. Hmm. Uh, hmm. Testing how he would use his power. Hmm. Yeah. Because he can, but should he? Is that the right thing to use it for? It's a good point. Hmm. Bread Temple, what's the real test here, do we think? So there were like, three different ones, three different tests. One is a, uh, a test of his Bible understanding. Hmm. The, they were quite scripture to it. It does. Yes. Mm. Uh, yes. Resilience. Not to abuse his power. Yes. He has that power. He could have. He could have. Yep. Absolutely. He could have. Yeah. Um, the mountain and the splendor of the world. What do we think? What's the real test here for Jesus? Um, Leon. So it's almost like at this point, Satan's given up using the Bible, <laughs> the scriptures, just laying it out. Right. You know, 
so it's almost like this is a, it's a testament right. to Jesus' yeah. belief in his destiny his, and God's power. You know, Satan is saying, it's all mine. You know, yeah. I go through this, well, I go through this trial which you don't know is going to result in anything anyway. Mm-hmm. I have the power, add that to me. Here's mm-hmm. the answer, here's the shortcut. And we have a guaranteed result. Good stuff. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? <clears throat> and I'll make one comment, and then we'll go on to the, uh, the second question. In each of the situations, there is some truth. There's a real need with the bread. There's some truth in both these other situations that God would protect the Messiah and, and uh, that uh, all that is in the world belongs to Jesus anyway. But there's a twist. The devil's putting a twist on it. And that twist means ultimately that Jesus is being tempted to use his powers for his own ends rather than in submission to the mission that the Father has given him. There's some doubt the devil is trying to sow um, in him. So let's now go on to the second question. How will passing this test help Jesus with his mission, with the calling that God has given him, the reason he's on earth? How will passing the bread test, the temple test, and the splendor of the world test, how might that help prepare him for what is to come in his life and ultimately his sacrifice on the cross? What do you think about that? So let's have uh, a couple of minutes on that. Okay. What do we think, everybody? What do we think about the way in which this test prepared him? Let's start with the temple group first this time. We'll go around. So temple people, uh, what about this testing might have helped prepare him for the future? So there's uh, a few things. So I would say this. You pass the test, it gives you confidence for doing the job. Confidence, yes. Uh, like he's a vision driver. Right. Pass that. He's got confidence in the life. People, hundreds of people around his life. Yeah, yeah. Confidence, the other thing is, the words here remind us of when Jesus was on the cross, the same test came when the people shouted, if you're the Son of God, and why didn't you just come down? Very good point. Use your power to get off the cross. Show us you've got the power. Yeah. yeah. It's very similar. That's a very good point. And Jesus knew he had that power because he's in the garden. He said, don't you think I can call on 10,000 angels and they'll come at once to rescue me? But that the will of the Father may be fulfilled or some phrase like that? I have to go through. Anyway, yes. Good point. Sorry, anything else? If he could overcome that testing, then he'd be more prepared for the challenge that would come in actually fulfilling his calling. Yeah, yeah, good. Uh, What about the splendor of the world group here? What do you think about this? uh, How does this help him? It's training, yeah. Training session. Yeah, it is. So we thought about um, the fact that 
could have been a temptation for Jesus to want a quiet, kind of quiet life. Could have been in Who doesn't want a quiet life? <laughs> Most of us. But the sense of thinking that there will be there's other temptations to shortcut. Right. As well, and so thinking about like he would have surrounded himself with disciples who wanted him to battle it out to go and fight to be a king and what that looked like. Yep. From their from their perspective from the Old Testament, and here he'd need to. Die on the cross. Right. So here's the, the devil is giving him a shortcut to getting the kingdom. Shortcut, yeah. Or an alternative route that made more mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. And the other people further on, closer to the time, will give him alternatives to creating a kingdom. Um, yes. Maybe one that might allow him to have a house and a wife and a family or, you know, I don't know, normality. It's a really good point because he, he was actually, people tried to make him this kind of king. Right? He spoke in the synagogue and they said, right, let's make him king. And he said, no. And then they tried to throw him off a cliff because <laughs> he wouldn't be that kind of king. So passing this test prepared him for that kind of unhealthy adulation or, or inappropriate understanding or wrong understanding of his purpose on this earth. Really good point. Okay, good. Uh, the bread group, what do we think? I think one, one of them maybe a second one, the, um, one of them was that he, he had to overcome um, far more than anything we would ever overcome hmm. um, to relate to us, to empathize with us, to understand pain that we'd be going through. Hmm. Um, so he truly could understand the challenges that we face. Yes. Um, and show that he'd overcome much more in, in every way. Um, Yes, those very basic temptations are very real, right? And, and Jesus had that temptation as much or if not more than us, yeah? That, that's the main point uh, we love, that so Jesus could connect to us. And the other thing is Jesus had, up till the end, he always had the opportunity to prove who he was. Mm -hmm. Even when he was before the Sanhedrin and Pilate, mm -hmm. uh, when he was asked numerous questions, to, he had the opportunity to prove that he was the Son of God, yet he remained silent. Right. Yes, he did. So he didn't, he wasn't in trying to prove something about himself. No. And this would have, if he had done here, he'd have been giving in to what the devil was trying to get him to do that. Which is a very self-focused thing rather than a God-focused thing. I think Hebrews 5, 7, before we go on to the third question, is useful for us here. Thinking about all three of these uh, tests in this area of how it prepared him. Hebrews 5. And verse 7 says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. So we see him being submissive in this situation to God's will rather than the devil's tempting. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered, or in the ways in which he was tested, you could say. And once made perfect, or perhaps better, complete, prepared, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who would obey him and designated by God to be high priest. So it was his suffering that prepared him to be what we needed him to be. And without that, he wouldn't have been prepared. And like it says earlier in Hebrews, in uh, chapter 4, 
We do not, verse 15, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. That's what you said there, Joe. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet did not sin, didn't give in. So then we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence. We may receive mercy, find grace to help us in our time of need, in our time of testing as well, right? Okay, third question, another three minutes. Um, what's the application for our own lives? What do you think from looking at the way that Jesus was tested, how he was prepared for his mission for the rest of his life, what might be at least one application for our own lives from these three examples of the bread, the temple, and the splendor of the world, okay? In what way might these examples here with Jesus help us with testings we're going through and the future? for our lives of faith. So we'll start with this group this time, uh, with the Splendor of the World group. So, um, application's got quite a lot of them, actually. Um, okay, far so away. The first thing we saw was the idea of just trusting God, basically. Uh-huh. Trust, then, uh, trust in know, God. Know your Bible, so you know how to respond. To okay, know how to respond, yeah. Good point. Um, so being aware of God's promises and, I guess, his care that you put in the Bible and hold on to them. Mm. Even though sometimes when God's way doesn't look like it makes sense, you know, with, with that scriptural kind of situations, and not to take shortcuts. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and then it's interesting, Bill brought up a really interesting point that um, none of the disciples were there. This isn't an account from the disciples, this isn't like mm -hmm. a first person account, like a lot of the other gospel is. This, is a, this will be an, on the basis of what Jesus told the disciples happened afterwards. Mm -hmm. So, this is a very clear instruction from Jesus, the disciples almost to us. So this is almost uh, not an observation, but a, an instructional manual about how to deal with mm. salvation. Wants, wants to make sure we get the message. <coughs> and then, uh, and then, from this sort of, also point out that it was a lesson in restraint and response. Mm. Jesus didn't, uh, didn't call down <laughs> fire from heaven. He responded with scripture, he mm. responded with anger, with facts. Um, a good point. You know, it was quite, it was quite Tremendous point, and we'll talk more about that when we uh, have the, the teaching day on the Beatitudes, but to me this is a tremendous example of meekness. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. He's meek here, because meek doesn't mean weak. He's strong in his convictions, but he's gentle, or at least not harsh, or um, violent in any sense in the way he responds. So it's a confidence and a strength but used in a restrained way, as you said. Fantastic. Okay, great. Uh, bread group. What do we think might be useful for us? Uh, well, <laughs> do tell. <laughs> what did we say? We said um, Jesus. So self-control, um, motives on why you want to, why you want to do something, why we or I want to do something. Um, mm, motives, yeah. Self-restraint. Um, what else? Yeah, so if you want to do something, obviously the motive that you don't want to feel prideful, like, look what I can do, and you know, right. I've done that, boasting, basically. Um, I think that's about it, isn't it? No, it's good. That's helpful. Thank you very much. Uh, temple group, what do you think? Um, I think having 
Okay. Think about how we're going to respond. Okay. Anything else? It's good to know the Bible well. Yeah. Misapplying it. Mm. Okay. All right. Everything in Scripture is helpful, but it's not always helpfully applied or accurately applied, right? That's important. And we've seen an example. Yes. Don't test God. Okay. That's a good example of the dangers of selective reading of Scripture. I like these bits. I don't like these bits. I've got to take the whole thing. Okay. All right. We will wrap up with a couple of thoughts. One last question for the whole group briefly. Uh, let's wrap up. Okay. A couple of other scriptures that might be useful for us. Galatians chapter 5. Just turn over there. I don't have it on the screen, but I don't remember if I put it on the handout. No? All right. Galatians 5, I think, is useful. Verse 13. 5.13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Uh, Jesus was a servant. He wasn't there to indulge himself or to, be, uh, to sort out his own priorities or his own pleasures. That's how we use our freedom. We have freedom in Christ, but we to use our freedom to bless others rather than indulge ourselves. Not to say we shouldn't find pleasure in things, but it's more about the focus. And another scripture I think we might find useful is Hebrews chapter 12. Did I put Hebrews 10 on the handout? Yeah. Okay, that's incorrect. It's 12. I knew some of you would probably spot that anyway, but uh, you know, I, you were very restrained in very restrained in pointing it out to me. I, I appreciate your grace. Appreciate the grace. Um, <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12, it's meant to be verses, uh, they say verse 10, talks about how God as a father disciplines us and we appreciate it. That you, if you've got a good father, he will discipline you. And in verse 10, uh, I'm talking about parents. They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. And we can all say a hearty amen to that. It's not pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So we're blessed when we're trained. We're blessed when we are tested. We're blessed when we are being prepared, though it is not pleasant, easy, or painless, it's important, and we should praise God and thank him for it when we're being tested. God allows tests to come. If we have more time, we might just talk a little bit more about this, but you may be familiar with the marshmallow test. Have you heard about that? It was done in the 70s at Stanford University, and there have been various 
versions of it over time, and there's um, various interpretations of it. But basically, if you, they did a test with small children, aged between three and five or thereabouts, and offered them one marshmallow if, if they wanted it, but if they would wait, then they could have two. And they did various other tests with pretzels and things, but basically this is the idea. And you, know, you can imagine being a small child and having that marshmallow right in front of you and the adult goes out of the room and they said they're coming back and you can have two, but when are they gonna come back? How long will it be? Will they really give me two? And, and so as some children took the one marshmallow and ate it and that was all they got, others, didn't eat it, and they adopted very interesting strategies. Some of them sang to themselves, told themselves stories. Some of them put their head on the, on the desk to hide it from them, shut their eyes. One child actually went to sleep to prevent themselves from eating the marshmallow. There were various different things they did, but it was interesting, and this is correlation, not causation, but the correlation was as they followed the children down the decades, they discovered that the ones who resisted the, the marshmallow and waited for the second one had far, far healthier outcomes in life overall. They tended to, to earn more money, they tended to have more stable relationships, they tended to be healthier physically, emotionally, have less mental health, is, health issues. And you need to be a little careful about how we interpret that, and this is not a self-help lesson. And this is not, that's not the point of the scripture. But I just bring that up to say that there's something that God has built into us which means that we, we we are healthier when we learn about restraint and how to trust God in this context rather than our appetites. There's something very profound there. Um, so just to finish with these thoughts. Three things we might, how we might respond to being tested. And I'm guessing all of us are being tested. Uh, if you're not, then it won't be long before, before the next one, right? Um, and I feel this in my life significantly and with one area in my life right now and which I can't talk about on camera but um, the first thing is to welcome the testing to have an attitude of faith where we welcome the testing when it comes uh, we welcome it because it's a sign of God's love not because we're masochistic but because only God only allows us to be tested as much as we can bear first Corinthians 10 13 and the testing is needed and God knows it, no loving parent wants their child to be unprepared for life. God does not want us to, us to be unprepared for what comes next. Second thing, it helps us if we cooperate with the testing. And cooperating with God's testing rather than fighting against it, Paul talked about not fighting against the, the goads. Uh, not fighting against it is a sign of trust, that we trust God that he's got a good purpose in the testing. Whether we can see the purpose of the testing at the time, or whether we have to trust God for faith in the future that we will see the fruits of the testing as, uh, down, down the road. And the third thing I would say that we may learn from this is to use the tools that God gives us to help us with the testing, which primarily in this example is the word of God, is to have scripture ready in our hearts and minds, to put the scripture in our heart as it talks about in the Psalms, to meditate on scripture, to learn it, to study it, to read it, and put it in our hearts and minds. Uh, that, that using those tools is a sign that our faith is real, that it's meaningful to us. God's word. And I think also perhaps the company of godly people. We need that as well. So I don't know whether today you've been um, smelling some nice smelling bread that you shouldn't be eating, um, or you've been uh, topping a temple 
uh, or you've been uh, contemplating the splendor of the world, wherever we are, I just would like us to ask ourselves and to think about and perhaps prayerfully reflect on the question at the bottom of the sheet there, which is simply what is going on in your life right now? That's a real test, a test that's challenging. What might it be that God is preparing you for in helping you become more Christ-like, in preparing you to be useful to God in the kingdom, to bless other people in the future? What might that be? We're very grateful, we're very lucky that Jesus allowed himself to be prepared in this way through this terrible, difficult testing so that we could be blessed. It's interesting, and in Luke's version of this, it says at the end, the devil left him until an opportune time. This wasn't the last test Jesus had. And you and I have been through a lot of tests. I'm glad we're all still here. But there are more to come. So we must allow God to train us so we'll be best prepared we can be. Thanks very much, everybody. Thank you. <laughs>